title of the message this morning is Faith That Moves Us Forward. Faith That Moves Us Forward. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God as I share what I know you have placed on my heart. I pray for receptive hearts and spiritual ears to be open, that we would walk out having had the word make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Straight into Jude, the one and only chapter of Jude, verse 20 and 21, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. What a wonderful thing to be doing. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And our theme for this year is building up your most holy faith. Won't you say that with me, please? Building up your most holy faith. God is at work in the life of our congregation, and He is speaking to us regarding this at this point in time. I believe that we are actually beginning to learn to believe God more than ever before. We are beginning to learn to release the power of God through faith. God wants you and I not to just know of faith from an intellectual point of view, but to be living a life where we actually operate, appropriate and activate that faith, that measure of faith that he has given us. Three points that I'd like to share with you. Number one, faith is believing in Jesus. I like that. It just sounds right. Please say that with me. Faith is believing in Jesus. The scripture says in John 6 verse 28 to 29, it says, Then they, this is the crowd of people that were around Jesus, then they said to him, What shall we do? that we may work the works of God. Because obviously they see in Jesus and he's busy working in the power of God and they say, what must we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Now take note, they said, what must we do that we may do the works, plural, and Jesus said, this is the work, singular, of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is talking about the father that sent Jesus. And Jesus was saying, really, there's only one work that you do. It's actually a work that you can only do by the Spirit of God working within you, but you believe. He says, these things that you've seen taking place in front of you, there's something that happens to be able to see those realized. You begin to believe in him who the Father sent. And so, just as a little comment here, I'd like to say that the work and power of God flow from the simple act of believing. A lot of what we, of what God wants to take us into in our spiritual walk flows from the simple act of believing. That's why you and I are called believers. 
Fundamentally, this is something that we do. And so this verse instructs us to believe in Jesus. And it is actually a fundamental responsibility of a believer. Now, we should believe in Jesus for our salvation. And for most of us, we find that quite easy. Yes, I prayed that prayer, I believed. And now I am born again because I believed in God for my salvation. But we shouldn't only believe for our salvation, we should be believing God for our daily provision. We should believe Him for His help to overcome the obstacles and the challenges that we face. Sometimes we have to go straight through those obstacles. And sometimes we have to go over them. But either way, we have to be believing God that He wants to help and undergird in these situations. Let me mention two examples of faith in the face of obstacles. Let's say... You're going along quite happily. Let's say you're a family of five, mom and dad, three kids, and things are going quite fine. And then all of a sudden, your 16-year-old son suddenly begins to become rebellious. You start to see this trend, rebellion sneaking in. Now, how you respond as a believer is critical. We need to respond out of believing in Jesus. We mustn't respond thinking, oh no, fear suddenly rises up. And you think, well, I've got to tell 10 friends about this. This is so terrible. And then you remember, no, somebody else's child went through a five or six year rebellion. And, and so you just say to your wife, well, we just got to settle down for five or six years. It's going to be hell. But we just got to settle down, you know. Hopefully it's going to change. No. You take it to the Lord in prayer. And you believe that he has the best answer, the best solution to the situation. And you begin to stand in faith. And you begin to call into being those promises which says, All your children shall be taught to the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And you begin to stand in faith. Why should we let the enemy just kind of run us over? That's crazy. And so part of the message of faith is a message of standing up. You're not standing up in your own power. You're standing up in the power of Christ. You're standing up in the power and authority of the Word of God. Let me give you another little example. Maybe there's a communication breakdown in your marriage. Things have actually been going fine, but all of a sudden you're just living past each other. There's like an animosity in the home. And what do you do? Do you get on Facebook and put some quotes out about communication, hoping that your spouse will read them? Do you start to whinge and moan and tell 10 friends? They tell 10 friends. And <laughs> no, no, no. I believe that we should respond in faith and in prayer. And you take it to the Lord. And you say, Lord, I know that you put us together. And the enemy wants to come and sow, sow doubts and lies that, oh, no, you should have never gotten married to them. They're just the wrong. You actually only loved them as a friend. You never really loved them. The enemy starts to come in line. You say, no, 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 thank you, God. I know you even gave me a promise when we get, got married. And I believe in you for a new level of harmony to come into this marriage. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to restore peace and harmony to our household. And so we need to believe in Jesus and have faith in the face of obstacles. So God is not only present to provide your eternal salvation, but he is present to provide 
your daily victories over stumbling blocks and over the enemy. Let a sound of victory go out today because there's some things that we tend to accept that God has never said that we need to accept because God wants to give us victory in those situations. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, it's on your screen in the God's Word translation. It says, but I thank God who on the odd occasion, who on the odd occasion, if we're lucky, leads us in, and no, it doesn't say that. The devil will try to tell you it says that. The Bible says, I thank God who always, would you say the word always? Always, always leads us in victory because of Christ. The scripture is true when it says that God said, I have made you to be above and not beneath. I have made you to be the head and not the tail. And some of us have submitted to a life that God's never called you to submit to. You've got the silent pact with the enemy saying, you don't bug me, I won't bug you. No, no, no. We should be those that actually take ground from the enemy. The enemy comes against us. We know that we submitted to God. We resist the devil and he will flee. It comes from an attitude of faith. Thank you, God. You always lead us in triumph. It's because of Jesus. Listen to the statement. The best way we can spend our lives is by yielding to the reality of who Jesus is. And what he can do in us and through us. Now, won't you say this after me? I am not a doubter. I am a believer. It's what I do. My faith is steadfast. I choose to simply believe in Jesus' name. Now, nudge the person next to you and say, Amen. That's for you. <laughs> Number two, faith says, I am believing God for success. And I'm going to back this up from scripture. Please say this with me. Faith says, I am believing God for success. Now, so long you can turn to Joshua 14. We'll get to it in a few moments' time. But in your Bible, turn to Joshua 14. I'd like to just explain the context because there's something about faith that we can learn in this passage of Scripture. And this is basically a time when Caleb is speaking to Joshua about something that he believes that he needs to go and do. But 45 years before we read the Scripture, there was a guy called Caleb and a guy called Joshua. And Caleb was 40 years old at that point in time. He was one of the 12 spies. They sent one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel to go and scout out, explore, check out the promised land. And so he was one of these 12 spies. And both Joshua and Caleb were convinced that they could conquer the land. They came back with a good report. And they said, yeah, there are some big guys in the land, but God's going to help us destroy them. And so these were the people of a different spirit. I want to tell you, in our nation today, God is looking for people with a different spirit. God is not in the majority. He's many times in the minority. And those minority are operating with faith. And so these two guys believed that they could go straight out and do it. But listen to this. Ten 
of the 12 spies didn't believe. I want to tell you, if you make a choice when God wants to take you into something that you respond with doubt and unbelief and you decide, I'm not going to believe, I want to tell you that's a bad thing. You could end up going round and round the mountain for many years. You could end up in the wilderness as these guys did for a 40-year period. But obedience takes you straight into the things of God. Obedience and belief. Do you know that the trip from Egypt into the promised land, I understand, could have taken about two or three or four weeks, something like that. But no, there were some people that said, we can't experience God's plan for our lives. Don't be like those spies that had the wrong spirit. Be like those who have a spirit of faith. Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so these 12 spies... Ten of them had this negative report, and they actually frightened the people from entering into the land. And now we pick up the story 45 years later, and Caleb is 85 years old, and he is just as strong as the day Moses sent them out. And what does Caleb say? He says, give me that hill country. I wonder if you're 85 years old, if you would say that. Or if you would say, give me that retirement village. (laughs) By the way, is, is there a man in the service who's 85 years old? Do I have one man who's 85 years old? Somebody who's 80 years old. Ah, somebody who's 80 years old. Sir, would you please stand at the back there? Would you stand at the back there? All right, now, would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand and say, give me this hill country. There we go, give him a hand. I like that. Give me this hill country. And so that's what he says. Now look at the scripture, it's Joshua 14, verse 12. Here, Caleb says to Joshua, now, Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Remember we said faith is a response to revelation. What's the revelation here? The Lord promised it. So it's not on presumption. And he's responding to that revelation in faith. That the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, those are the big giants, were there. And their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. Doesn't that sound like a spirit of possessing? He says, I will drive them out just as he said. So Caleb is not operating on presumption. He's operating under the mandate of God. There's a promise that he's dealing with. And he says that Jesus said this. God said this. I'm operating on the promise of God as I'm stepping out. And I want to tell you, if you have the word of God and you step out in obedience, there's nothing that can stop you. God's going to take you to incredible places that you never even dreamed of. And so that's what was happening right here. And what did basically Caleb do? He was an example of a victorious type of faith. I want to ask you today, sir, ma'am, is God calling you to take some ground? Is he calling you to take possession of the land? 
I believe when there's breath, there's still vision. And when there's vision, there's still land to possess. And when there's land to possess, there's a God to back you up to possess that land. Can you say amen? Amen. It needs to be a spirit of possessing and a spirit of faith with which we operate. And so even though Caleb was 85 years old, his faith, courage, and strength were steadfast. He was relying on the promise of God, and he was not giving up. Now hear that. I want to say that again. Caleb was not giving up. I'm concerned that some of us are giving up. I believe that some people are giving up on trusting in God. Some people are giving up on this country, South Africa. If that's you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I believe that some people are giving up on seeing dreams being fulfilled. Some are giving up on believing for that breakthrough in their family. Some are giving up on experience a life of victory. And you just say, well, I'm just going to settle for the status quo. And I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And here's the reason why. Because he who promised is faithful. Right down at his DNA level, he is faithful. And so as we extend and put our faith in the one who is faithful, we can know that we will see the results And that our trust in God is well placed. Look at the commentary and what it says here. It says, Caleb saw things through the eyes of faith and not as they appeared outwardly. This was the secret of his abiding strength and amazing success. Caleb had amazing success. He was not about to retire until he possessed his possessions. I like that. And I want to say, like Caleb... You and I should not only believe at one point in our lives, maybe just shortly after you came to Christ, you were really believing for everything in your life. But it's not just at one point that we should believe, but right throughout our lives we should believe. And take note, Caleb is holding on to a promise which God had given him 45 years earlier. How long have you held on to the promise of God? I've held on to a promise which only came to pass after about eight or nine years. Let me tell you, it felt very, very long. (laughs) Very, very long. And here, even after 45 years, he says, I still trust in God, and that promise will be fulfilled, and I'm going to possess my possessions before I breathe my last breath. And so we need to believe right until the end. Hebrews 10, verse 35, it's on your screen, it says, therefore... Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Just one other scripture I want to share under this second of three points. And the scripture is 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20. And here you have Jehoshaphat. He is the leader of the army going out. And they are facing a vast army in front of them as the Bible says. And what happens? There's obviously an uncertainty in their hearts. But this man, as the leader, he speaks the words of faith. May the leaders in this nation, the spiritual leaders at this time, be speaking the words of faith. And so it says in verse 20, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat 
stood and said, listen to me, Judah and the people of Israel. Why does he address Judah first? Because Judah had the greatest number of soldiers out of the 12 tribes, and they were always at the front. They were that real warrior tribe. So he says, listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem, have faith. Please say those two words, have faith. What are we talking about this year? Having faith in God. And so it says here, have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And the scripture goes on to say that they went ahead and they began to sing, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the enemy was self-slaughtered and they could go in and just take of all the spoils of the war. Quite incredible. But what did Jehoshaphat say? He said, if you have faith in God, you will be successful. I want to say to you today, the same applies still today. If you have faith in God, you will be successful. Notice the word successful, that last word in the scripture there. Would you say successful? Now, so many people are trying to be successful, aren't they? But sadly, many look in the wrong places. They look at soul power, man-made plans, worldly schemes that seem impressive, but they lack the wisdom of God. I was thinking just recently about this thing called the Success Summit. And I know sometimes in South Africa, they've had a success summit. In fact, all over the world, they have these success summits. But let me say this. Success without God is a fallacy. And you'll go and you'll hear all sorts of slick talks and high, impressive, and so on. And I was actually reading up about one success summit that took place last week in Australia. And the guest speaker was the Terminator. You know, I'll be back. Arnold Swagenegger. So he's the success story, and he's going to speak at this conference about how to make everything successful in your life. And then they said, for extra amount of how many hundred dollars, you can have a personal photo, you and Arnie together. And they say, to leverage your market and gain from his celebrity status to make your company more successful. (laughs) Chuckle, chuckle. I find that amusing because it's all on self and soul power and so on. And let me tell you, true success is found in believing God. True success is found in trusting God. Because success outside of God is a fallacy. And I want to say to you, I want to encourage you, in your environment where you work, are you successful at what you're doing? Because I believe that you can begin to trust God to cause His hand of success to flow through you. You might be listening today and you're in government and you have a government department. And I want to tell you right there in that department, that office you oversee, that division that you oversee, I want to tell you, get a vision for God bringing you success by believing in Him. Believe God for a turnaround strategy. Believe God for a new level of excellence that you're going to see. And believe God to make your department successful. He wants to do it. Like that Joseph anointing. Doesn't matter where you put Joseph, in the prison. Next thing they're saying, well, you can lock and unlock the guys. You can be in charge. 
Another example is that maybe you're a sales rep and, and you've got to meet certain targets. And I want to encourage you, you don't just do that out of your own ability and personality. You must trust in God. When you go into work in the morning, you call in those contracts. You pray for your clients. You say, thank you, Lord, that when I go see my client or phone my client, put favor in their hearts towards me because I'm believing that when I phone, they're just going to want to do business with me because I am believing God for success because my faith is in Him. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on. Scripture makes it clear, have faith in God and you will be successful. The last point, number three, growing faith, sorry, a growing faith requires the superfood of the word. Would you all say that aloud with me? A growing faith requires the superfood of the word. I want to ask you, how important is the word of God to you? Think about this. Have you opened this in the last 10 days? Because if faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we do not open the word of God to let it be in our hearts, the word, of, the word says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If we do not open the word of God, and we think in our faith is going to grow, it's, it's not really going to grow very much at all, other than from the scripture that you've memorized. I want to tell you this book is powerful, it is still living, it is alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing, dividing between bone and marrow. And the scripture in Romans 10 verse 17 says it clearly, so then faith, please say the word faith, comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The same verse in the New English translation says, consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. Now, you've probably heard the scripture many times before. And sometimes we think, well, what does it really mean? What does the scripture really mean? And quite simply, this is what it means. When we hear the word of God, it releases faith in our spirit. I want to say that again. When we hear the word of God, it releases faith into our spirits. Now, I just want to give you an opposite example. When you, with friends, hear words of crime and violence, it releases fear in your heart. What's feeding you? I believe that the word of God should be so paramount. He has said, he has set his word above his name. And so it's so important to realize that the word of God needs to be feeding us because it releases faith. And the scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I want to say to you, the type of hearing that we're speaking about is inner spiritual hearing. This is not just that you hear something with the organs, the, your ears, okay? This is inner spiritual hearing. That makes the difference. And when I say inner spiritual hearing, going with that is receiving. And it's that kind of inner spiritual hearing and receiving 
that produces faith in your hearts. Let me give you an example. You might be here today and you feel like, I, I just can't cope. I'm battling with thoughts of suicide. I feel like killing myself. Last week, somebody that we know from another church tragically ended their lives, their life. It was so sad. And sometimes you can be in such a bad place. But then you know what? You can be in a situation like that. And then you come upon these words which says, He is an ever-present help in time of need. And suddenly your inner spiritual hearing gets it, receives it, and faith generates in your heart, and you get victory in that situation. Another example, you might be somebody who feels like, I was a mistake, I should have never been born, and because I was born, my parents got divorced, it's my fault, or so you, you thought, you wrongly believed, you were told that. I should have never been born. And you think that to yourself. And then you're reading, you're reading the word of God and, and the scripture comes about and it says this, I will praise you, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And suddenly you begin to realize I was never a mistake. There is a receiving of inner spiritual hearing of the word of God and something changes on the inside of you and you realize God has made me wonderfully. I'm free. I'm alive. I have a life to live. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me say this. Faith doesn't come out of the blue. It comes out of the book. <laughs> Amen. And so I ask you today, what are you feeding your life with? Are you fed? Are you well fed? Are you nourished? Because the scripture says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, man shall not live. Now I'm talking living in the full sense. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, in terms of what is feeding you, I'm of the opinion that many people are being fed by news media by social media, by public opinion, by the input of peers, by the input of family. And you know, sometimes that input can sometimes be the worst kind of input. Sometimes it's great if you're encouraged by good people around you, but sometimes that doesn't build up faith. It actually breaks faith down. And so it's so important that I wanna ask you, what is feeding you more? Is the word of God feeding you more? Or is the whole media world and public opinion feeding you more? I want to say to you, the Word of God is the most powerful source for you and I being fed so that we can truly live as God wants us to live because we're operating from the framework of the living Word of God. And so I want to say it loud and clear, the true source that will dramatically strengthen your faith is the living Word of God. I want to end off with a quote by Reinhard Bonker. And Reinhard Bonker says this, God's word in your mouth is as powerful as his word in his mouth. Can you say that with me? God's word in your mouth is as powerful as his word 
in his mouth. And so I want to encourage you, let us be those that believe the word, that declare the word, because the word is powerful. It will not return void. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody just give a shout of praise. Thank you for victory, Lord, in your word. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the word that has been shared today will not return void. I thank you for the release of faith in us in an increasing way. And as we go out into this week ahead, Father, remind us to be those that operate like Caleb, to be those that say, give me that hill country because God has some land for me to possess. I bless your people with peace. I bless your people with the love of the Father. In Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. 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 God bless.